give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 12 of Metallicast, the Metallica podcast. I'm your host and fellow Metallica fan. My name is Brandon. Now this is a surprise bonus full-length for you all in the Metallicast Militia for the month of December. Because this was originally going to be a surprise Metallicast mini. You see, last time I recorded, it was with music journalist Richard S.C. We did a track-by-track breakdown of the St. Inger album. And after a conversation, I said, hey Richard, how about you hang out? We will talk for 15, 20 minutes tops about the track, We Did It Again. Yeah, that song. The one that every Metallica fan puts up there with the likes of Master Puppets in one. Obviously a true classic in the Metallica catalog. The Swiss Beats Ja Rule collaboration, We Did It Again. I mean, how long could we possibly spend talking about this song? Well, apparently about 45 minutes. And I am giving you this episode in all of its glory. So you're going to hear a second introduction where I call it a Metallicast Mini because I left our conversation pretty much intact. Obviously, you're going to also hear me realize that 45 minutes is a bit too long for a mini episode. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. This is episode 12. Richard and I did it again. Metallicast Mini. I am your host and fellow Metallica fan. My name is Brandon, and I am joined once again by writer, musician Richard S. He. If you're unfamiliar with him, then do yourself the favor. Go back, listen to episode 9. Go back and listen to episode 11. It is basically a two-part epic where Richard and I dissect Saint anger uh an album that he calls the final masterpiece in the metallica catalog and that's coming from somebody who still appreciates death magnetic and hardware it's not like he wrote them off after that album but you know just go back to those uh episodes check them out but what we're going to talk about today in this mini episode is tied in with the same anger recording sessions a bit um richard are you there buddy Hello, yes. I just want to say that last episode, I introduced my mashup of San Anger Me Baby one more time as the worst idea in human history, right? <laughs> and I think I was wrong. Maybe it's this song. <laughs> Maybe they and, beat me to it. As soon as you started that sentence, I knew where that was going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so I, you know, I mentioned when we were talking about St. Anger that I am a biased Metallica fan and uh, I will defend them to the death. I gotta say, there's a first time for everything. I cannot defend the song. <laughs> Neither can I. So, um, this is this is gonna be fun because this is gonna be 
first and perhaps only opportunity uh, I spent on a Metallica podcast doing a little shitting all over my all-time favorite bands. That being, of course, Bon Jovi. Oh. Oh, I'm just kidding. Of course, talking about Metallica. And of course, we're talking about the greatest song in their catalog. Yeah, no, not Master Puppets. No, no, not one. No, Inter Salmon, what are you, a poser? I'm talking about their Swiss Beats Ja Rule collaboration. We did it again. Dear Lord. Fortunately, fortunately, uh, it was only a one-time thing, and they never actually did it again. (laughs) (laughs) I might back up and give a little bit of historical context, right? Yeah, um... yeah, we we need to give a little backstory about this, because I'm sure um, as many uh, hardcore Metallica fans are listening, I'm sure there's some people out there that might not even know this song exists. They're still innocent. They're so innocent, and we're about to completely kill all that they know that is good and pure. So, uh, from the Metallica side, um, this is a song that was put together from some like leftover and sessions from San Anger. So, I think the song came out in December 2002, which was like six months or something before San Anger itself interestingly so I don't feel like it was widely covered at the time I know Blabbermouth did talk about it but like it wasn't considered a comeback or like even really a preview of what was to come right? No I I think honestly it was sort of brushed under the rug I think really what this was was um, boredom um, this yeah. was this was put together when uh, it you know if you've seen the some kind of monster movie if, if you've followed the band then you know the history of if they were recording James went to rehab and Lars and Kirk you know Jason had quit the band before James was rehab so it was just Lars and Kirk sitting around kind of twiddling their thumbs wondering what is next for the band no clue if there was a Metallica. Um, and they were just trying to find something to do. Uh, Swiss Beats um, came along. Do you want to explain who Swiss Beats is? Sure, sure. So from a hip-hop side, uh, Swiss Beats, um, he uh, became famous by really making beats for, like, DMX and the Rough Riders in the late 90s. So kind of, I mean, a little bit southern, dirty south, um, quite aggressive beats, right? Um, he also did a few for Jay-Z. Um, he's now known for being married to Alicia Keys. So he was a pretty prominent uh, beat maker at the time. And so he had decided to make his first uh, solo album as a producer called Swiss Beats Presents Ghetto Stories. Um, and so, yeah, somehow he ended up in the studio with Metallica and Bob Rock. Um having the intention to create this kind of rap-rock hybrid. Um, there's an interview at the time where he references Limp Bizkit, and he says, you know, this song isn't for, like, my hip-hop heads. It's for, like, my, my rock fans. You know, that arena, Limp Bizkit. Um, mm. And, yeah, there's a video left over from some kind of monster 
of him. Yeah. It was a deleted scene if you have the DVD or Blu-ray or you can find it on YouTube also. Yeah, and you find you see them just like selecting a couple of leftover riffs, um, stitching it together into a song, and Swiss Beats like kinda jamming out the vocal melody. Yeah. It, it's it's really uh Swiss Beats producing Ja Rule on a incomplete Metallica demo while James yeah. had disappeared off the face of the planet. Yeah. Although James's um, original vocals are left on there. Yes. Strange, well, right? a, a great part from that scene that you're talking about. So they're, they're not even in... Well, Swiss Beats is in studio with Bob Rock, Lars, and Kirk. Everybody else is uh, cross-country probably. They're in another recording studio. So basically they're uh, recording remotely their parts. And actually, I take that back. Swiss Beats is not there as well during this time. Yeah. I believe he's with Ja Rule. So, yeah. so as you said, Swiss Beats comes. He meets with them. He listens to what they got. There's some things he's like, eh, no, no. And then he finds the riff. And then da 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 and he goes, he kind of starts uh, mimicking like a vocal part over it and sort of getting a feel for it. And I think the band was really hoping to get like a DMX on the track. And uh, they got Ja Rule. But Ja Rule was really hot at the time, still. He's, he was a little bit in the vein of DMX, like that very gruff, low voice, but popular. Yeah. Hmm. And. Still really popular during this time period, right? 2002. He yeah. was... I, he, I feel like he might have peaked like a year or two earlier, but he was still very popular. Yeah. Correct? Yes. And so basically the scene is some kind of monster, going back to that. The, they're now um, recording elsewhere. Bob Rock, Lars and Kirk are in their studio, and they're somewhere else. Uh, if, if their studio's in California, then they're probably in New York, or maybe they're in L.A., but that's still, you know, what, a four-hour uh, drive or something like that between San Francisco and L.A., whatever it is. They're somewhere else. So they're in uh, separate locations, and basically they cut to uh, the, the rap studio, I'll call it, and uh, they break up, like, all this... Uh, pot smoking and card games and betting and 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 Lars makes a comment like um, uh, uh, let me get the actual line here but he says something like oh that's like the most rock and roll moment <laughs> um, this is by the way too I think Lars during this time had his little Eminem look going on which was not his yeah. best look uh. there's, there's a lot of early 2000s hip-hop going on in this scene. <laughs> um, I can't find the quote. But he says something along those lines. It's not that important. It's not, nobody's going to uh, stop listening to this episode because I cannot find Lars Ulrich's quote about Ja Rule. But, <laughs> but uh, basically, that's the gist of it. And that's how the song came to be. 
I have no clue. What I've always wondered is if uh, James Heffield has ever heard this song, and if he has, what he truly thinks of it. Because I'm not sure he's ever spoken about it in an interview. Yeah, there's um, there's a moment in the studio where... Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Because um, for the most part, Jarul and James's parts in the song are separate, right? Jarul does yeah. most of it. There's one point where... I think someone, maybe it's Swiss Beats, suggests that, like, Jarul overdubs James's part. Oh, the, yeah, uh, I know what part you're talking about. It was Lars. Yes. Yeah, right. Nevermore, you're whipping, yeah. boy. And um, everyone's just like, no, please don't do that. <laughs> Including Jarul, who's in the booth at the time. He's yeah. like, yeah, I'm going to leave that. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, so, no it, it was Lars saying, um, all right, so let's back up a little bit. So basically, it's Ja Rule doing the verses. They created um, this part that James had previously recorded as the chorus, which is more than this, nevermore your whipping boy. And Lars... Has nothing, suge- which has nothing to do with Ja Rule's lyrics, by the way. Has nothing to do with anything. Um, so Lars suggests that Ja Rule does that part, um, or overdubs it so he's... He's doing it with James. He just goes, no, I'll leave that for James. <laughs> Lars is trying here. He's trying. He's trying to make um, uh, a shit sandwich shittier, but he <laughs> or slightly less shitty. But let's take a look at these lyrics here. Can we dissect these lyrics? Can you put them up in front of you? Because like you said, the, the, the James part has nothing to do with the Ja Rule part. Um, <laughs> so this is how it starts. Um, yeah, we did, we did it. And then he's like kind of like speaking over, it's on fire. We are ready to rock this. Yeah, we got Metallica in here. Ja Rule, Swiss the Monster. Being Swiss Beats. And then he goes into uh, the, the verse. I guess it's, is this song just, like, three different choruses put together? <laughs> I, I don't know. He goes, well, there's that part that goes, just when you thought it was over, just when you thought just we were done, done. <laughs> just, just when you thought it was safe, now we do, we do, 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 Which I guess is sort of the chorus, but then you have... James's part. Later. James's part, which is also, like, a second chorus, because that keeps coming back. Mm. It this song it makes no sense. It's a complete shit show. <laughs> and the 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 here are Ja Rule's verses. I love fast cars, fast bras, cause I'm a rock star baby, born in the USA. I'm gonna hit the highway on my Harley. Do about thirty eight. Huh? Maybe that's a typo. Thirty does not seem that fast. No, drive safe. <laughs> this is like oh. I can't drive 55. I can only drive slower because I'm a safe Harley driver. Let me wait. Helmets, helmet check, safety first. Uh, speed limit is 40. I'm going to go 38 just to be safe. <laughs> Two under, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, and then it goes on nothing else but take it easy. Any woman that won't please me, I'll give her up. Anything that won't touch or move me, I'll give it up. And I know you're all serious. We did it, 
did it again. But then what it goes did into, they do again? That's the question, right? That is, Never maybe, had... did it have something to do with whipping boys? <laughs> because the next part goes, more than this, never more your whipping oh, boy. Your boy. Which is the James part. Wait, all right, let's duplicate this, Richard. You ready? I'll, I'll do the James. Can I do the James part and you'll do the Ja Rule part? The yeah, we did it part? Yeah, yeah we're going to duplicate this for this one. You ready? More. One, two, all right. Three, more yeah. than this. Yeah. Never more your whipping boy. <laughs> did we do it right? No, I didn't think when I go, when I think when I do boy, you go, yeah, we did it. Come on, let's get this rehearsals correct. Right. Come on. Yeah. The, the Metallica's malicious is demanding perfection from us. Yeah. You ready? Do you want to count in? I'm just going to start because I think you come in after. All right, go. Go. Do All right. It. So I'll, I'll point when it's your turn. Yeah. Or when I think it's your turn. More yeah. than this. Never more your whipping boy. Yeah. Yeah. We did it. More right. than this, right? It doesn't, I thought maybe it overlaps, but maybe it doesn't. That's how many times I've listened to this song. I would find out, but that would require me going back to the song and listening again. Yeah. Um, So after that epic, like, secondary chorus, I guess, um, it goes back to the original first chorus, just when he thought it was over, that whole part. And then he goes in, who loves a little rock and roll mixed with a little bit of hip-hop soul? We do. We do. It has, like, that little chant part. If you've never heard this song, this is going to be the most confusing episode ever. It's like something we've made up or something. It sounds like we're just spewing nonsense, Mm. which we kind of are. Yeah. Um, Believe in the air you breathe in. I'm a mad work freak with a freaky weekend. No matter what you spend, because you're just living it up. And damn, if we don't do it again. Come on in, baby. Bring some friends. We having a party tonight. I'm bringing juice and gin. You'll beat your head. Swiss, we did it. Did it again. More than this. What is beating your head? Boy. <laughs> um, you're going to beat your head with uh, excitement because you're having so much gin and juice. And that's what people do at parties, Richard. Have you never been to a party before? People beat their heads uh... all the time. <laughs> there is um, an amazing moment in the studio video where um, uh, Bob Rock's playing the riffs for them and Swizz and his crew are like all nodding in perfect time. <laughs> like, <all three>. yeah. <laughs> that is pretty great. I mean, honestly, if you're doing this type of song, the riff they chose is a pretty appropriate. Like, it sounds like a hip hop song in some ways. Yeah, but say that. it's just the execution of it is so poor. They made no effort to, like, streamline the two. No. And I, it, it's and literally... Like, this, is, this is 2002, so it's, like, well into the new metal era. There was, like, yeah. the Judgment Night soundtrack almost 10 years before with yeah. um, metal bands collaborating with rappers in yeah. the way that kind of worked. So it's not as anyway, if like, they were inventing a new musical genre. They should have known how yeah. to do it. Right. But here's the problem, is that this was not a real collaboration. 
No. It was, here's this thing we already did, do something with it. It's basically, yeah. it's basically like sampling more than a collaboration. Yeah, and, and notably, I think it's one of the few Metallica songs where they did not final cut. So really, there's yeah. no quality control on their end. Not to mention yeah. the fact that James is missing throughout this entire process. Yeah. Um, we do have James come in for a second part, though, later in the song. Oh, uh, yeah. Rip that smile right off your face! face. Which, uh, again, has nothing to do with anything. Um, uh. But my favorite is when they mix that with the opening part, and it so goes, just when you thought it was over, just when you thought we were done, with that smile right off your face. face. So it has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> and then it, it kind of just keeps on going. Like, the song is really just... Ten words with nonsense, uh, with other nonsense thrown in about cars, babies, parties, USA, and rock and roll. Like even it, the weird thing about these lyrics too is that they're like so dated. Mm, like yeah. for somebody who's like, you know, supposed to be like this young rapper or younger rapper, and you know, like near his peak maybe a little past his peak but near his peak still very popular like the it, it seems like no time was spent on his end either he's literally just saying ramble, random things that sound like he took uh, a bunch of 70s hard rock songs 80s hard rock songs and some early 90s rap and just mixed it all together to create nonsense yeah because I think Swiss Beats actually wrote the lyrics uh, in the studio but Here's two thoughts, right? One is that this song would not be good even if it was, like, a totally conventional hip-hop track. Yeah. Just, like, basic core of it is not good. But also, um, one, of, one of my favorite parts of the studio video is that you see Kirk overdubbing, like, a little wah-wah guitar lead at the very end. So, like, that's the maximum amount of effort that any one Metallica member put into this song. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I'm amazed that he even did that. And, and it's literally something that he, you know, he improvised and never yeah. went back and like redid anything or edited anything. It was literally. Yeah. Uh, so I, I mentioned in episode 11 how Metallica's a band that like I feel like does not go through the motions. Mm, this is yeah. um, this is one exception to it where Kirk is just going through the motions. <laughs> Like he, he, they, they, the thing is, um, I mean, I'm not a big hip hop guy. I definitely like some rap and have appreciation for, um, the genre and stuff. And, but like, I'm not, I would not consider myself overall, um, a big hip hop fan, but I would be interested to see like an actual collaboration between like Metallica and like a really good hip hop artist. Just for the, not that I think it would be good, just for the pure sake of hearing what it would sound like, because this is just not it. 
I don't I don't think Metallica play very well as a backing band in general, just because James is so central to what they do. But also because, yeah. like, they're not really a loose, like, jammy band, you know? They're all no. about their tight arrangements. Yeah, so, yeah, no, I think... Well, here's the... It, I think Metallica is great with each other. Yes. I don't... I'm not sure they're great with other people. Because it's such a specific chemistry. And, like, um, if you think of We Did It Again as a proto-Lulu, like, I would say it's worse than anything on Lulu because at least they're trying for something there. But also, like, when Metallica played backing band, like, um, I think it was at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or something, they played White Light, White Heat with Lou Reed or something. Like, Mm -hmm. even that was kind of baffling. Yeah. I don't really know what Lou Reed saw in them, but... I Yeah, I, I think maybe it just had to do with, like, their gigantic sounds, maybe. Yeah. Just their overall loudness. But I, I just feel like like Lulu's going to be a separate episode sometime. Um, but I, I feel like, you know, that was a Lou Reed project that Metallica contributed to. And mm-hmm. whether you like it, love it, or hate it, or are indifferent about it, I think it's something that most people can appreciate on... A, to, in a certain capacity, like, well, they tried something different. It, it was an experiment. It was them doing something new. And it was purposeful. And it was purposeful, and it had... And it was something that they really stuck behind. Like, it was something that they as a band were and are proud of, and were like, we had a... Uh, you know, we enjoyed, we enjoyed doing this. So you may not enjoy it, but we did this for ourselves. This is our selfish project that we decided to do with Lou Reed. And they're entitled Whereas, to do a selfish project. They've, they've earned that right. But this yeah. is not a project like that. This is just... When you look at the, um, the interviews they did to not really promote the song, but just like press releases around the time, um, you see Kirk refers to the song as unique. Lars says something like, Oh, it's kind of cool, but you can tell even then that, like, that's the bare minimum they wanted to say about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a reason why they never promoted it, right? Like, they they could have easily, if this was something they really stood behind, they could have put this on Metallica.com. They could have arranged to make a music video. They could have made a live performance of it. You know, they, they have a lot more pull in the music industry than a Swiss Beats or even a Ja Rule at that time when he was very popular. Like, if they really wanted to push this and promote it and make this, like, a, a true Metallica project, they could have and they would have. But instead, this was sort of... I think they thought this will give us something to do for a day or two. And maybe, uh, best-case scenario, we make a few bucks because we license it to something. Sure. They did. They put it on the soundtrack to which, Biker Boys. Yeah, which I was going to, which I was going to mention because that's something else that's very early two thousands to me about this is that um, after it appeared on Ghetto Stories, it appeared on the soundtrack to Biker Boys with a Z, which I've never seen. I'm pretty sure nobody ever saw. 
but it was basically a uh, Fast and Furious ripoff. I think it was like Fast and Furious, um, but on motorcycles and probably with even worse acting. <laughs> that's not. A, that's like not even the only film of its kind. Like no, the, the movie Talk, which is funny. yeah. There's there's tons of movies from that era that are like a ripoff of it, and this is yeah. probably one of the more um, obscure ones. <laughs> mm. All right, so I found an article on Metallica.com uh, about the release of this song, but I'm going to read out... Uh, I'm going to read out the Metallica parts, okay? So, yeah, Lars Ulrich added that, I've never heard anything quite like that. It sits in a different place than anything else I've ever heard. I've never heard anything that sits right where this sits, and that's pretty cool. That's three sentences that say the same thing. And then, going on, Kirk Hammett also had a fine old time enthusiastically describing the final song as unique. Whilst James Hetfield said, I think they did a great job. There were riffs I had heard somewhere before, he added, smiling. And I think the, the song is really cool and different, extremely different. Again, look for the album and this quite stunning slab of heaviness on July 16th. Wow. And that was the first and last thing they ever said about it. <laughs> yeah. So you have Lars Ulrich, who's a master talker, rambling. I mean, he says three sentences because the guy will ramble and talk. But he says three sentences, but it's the same thing because he's struggling to find anything of note worth saying. You have Kirk Hammond, who's just using a throwaway unique tag. I, I would love, I, I want to be like the interviewer and really push it like, oh, really, what is unique about this? What, what's, what's the most unique part of this track? And then James, just being a true team player here, just being like, yeah, it's cool, it's different. Like, I, even his response, I still would ask him the question, like, have you listened to it? Because I'm, I'm pretty sure, like, he, I, I could picture maybe like, oh, we did this thing. And he's like, oh, well, uh, I'll listen to it in the car. And he's just sort of like, you know, driving on his phone, mm. half listening to it, you know. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah it was cool. It was fine. It was, it was, it's whatever. He says, there are riffs I've heard somewhere before, which sounds like someone else telling him that there were riffs. Not that he listened <laughs> to it. But also, those are his own riffs. He played the guitar. <laughs> so I have a foggy memory of something happening. Uh, <laughs> well, well, realistically, he probably remembers playing those parts about as well as he remembers playing any other uh, yes. song for the Presidio sessions. Like, uh, you know, there was the Temptation song. There was there's a song lingering out there with I'm not sure, I don't think it's a full song, but Dead Kennedy rolls. Like, there's a few little clips out there. Basically, that's what this is. This is a clip from the Presidio's. Uh, Sessions that they just made into um, a song with Ja Rule. <laughs> yeah. Or that more, pro or more precise, Swiss Beats made into a song with Ja Rule. But this did get written about um, not that long ago by Rolling Stone because the Judgment Eye soundtrack that you mentioned um, was celebrating uh, uh, the 20, its 25th anniversary. And that soundtrack is something that's often recognized as uh, one of the better, if not the best soundtracks, I think, with um, it sort of as a precursor to uh, and one of the pioneering things of, like, blending 
uh, rock and metal with uh, hip hop. Um, so it, it sort of was referencing that and like, hey, does anybody remember this forgotten gem? Supposedly the story is from the article that uh, Metallica supposedly was asked to be on the Judgment Night soundtrack. And this was at their, I mean, this was Black Album era. The Judgment Night soundtrack came out in 1993, so they were just the biggest, literally the biggest bands going right then and there. And they um, declined, or their management declined, or whoever on behalf of the band declined. But here we are, ten years after that, with this um, atrocity. I will point out that um, there was something in between that was kind of similar. Um, on the soundtrack to Spawn, the 1997 comic book film, uh, yes. I think there's collaboration between Metallica and DJ Spooky. There's also yeah. a song by Orbital, an electronic act featuring Kirk Hammett. So yeah. I guess it wasn't the first time. That well, they did. Like... They did... Um... During the Load Reload era, I feel like they really were trying to push the fact that they were not a metal band. Yes. And basically what happened was for like a lot of B-sides, instead of doing like uh, cover songs that they would do previously or do after, a lot of it was remixes. They'd have different DJs or um, and different artists do remixes of uh, the Load Reload tracks. And it, um, the Spawn soundtrack was, like, basically all techno and all, like, remixed metal rock songs. And what it was was a really weird... The Orbital Kirk Hammett song was a really weird collaboration. I believe it was called Satan, right? Yeah. I haven't heard it in a long time. I I, I've, I've not heard it in years. And uh, But the other one was literally just a remix of For Whom the Bell Tolls, if I recall. Mm. Like, the band really did nothing. They just, you know, except gave permission for the song to be used in that context. But the point being, this was something that they were sort of doing during this time period, I think, just to be um, different. And I, I remember reading an interview, actually, and I believe it was in So What, the fan club magazine, and it was with Lars, uh, most likely, and he was saying that basically they decided to do that just to sort of fuck with people because everything they were doing during this time was to fuck with people. Um, mm. This, I don't think, was done to fuck with people. Uh, no. I think this was done it did fuck simply. With it did fuck with people, but that was not the intention. I think the intention yes. was to actually contribute to um, rap metal with their intention being that we are bored and maybe we'll make a few bucks. <laughs> and I never say that about Metallica, but I think that's the, the truth of the matter. And it's like, that was that, you know. 2002 is already pretty late in the new metal era, so if you think about it, like, that's almost a sign of its downfall, the fact that people were doing cash-ins, like, cynically like this, no new ideas, like, wasn't in the spirit of experimentation or anything. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so... New metal is on its decline, uh, metalcore, traditional metal kind of back on its way up. So, And I do turn. like, I was curious, if you go to Metallica.com and you go to the music section and you click on songs, uh, they have a list of every song they've ever recorded.
recorded. I think they may even have songs that have not appeared on like formal um, records, like cover songs and stuff like that. And I was interested to see if they actually listed "We Did It Again." They do. They did. Yeah. And when you and when you click on the song, though, besides it says who it was written by, it says the releases it appears on, and there's absolutely zero information <laughs> beyond that. There's, they do not even have the lyrics up. They have no, like, there's literally no information. Mm. But if I click on the Biker Boy soundtrack, Whoa. where does it bring me to? It brings me nowhere. It just brings me to another window saying Biker Boys released January 27, 2003. Set list. One, we did it again. And then if you click on the symbol next to it, it just brings you back to the empty page of facts. <laughs> so this, they really, they acknowledge it exists, but they really do not make any effort to do so. <laughs> they did not do it again. They did not do it again, and I do not think they ever do it again. <laughs> I also think this has been the longest conversation about this song, probably in I history. Just, I was just going to say, um, you know, this was set out to be uh, a mini episode, but we've been talking 35 minutes. I could probably pass this off as a full length. Alpha Metallica is not going to cover this. <laughs> oh! Only Metallicast. There'll be fighting words, Tom. Uh, in actuality, um, if they do not cover this song, they are so much smarter than we are. <laughs> uh, the reason Metallicast is covering this song is because I apparently love Punishment. And, um, yes. I, apparently I am. I also recorded, um, there is a full length a while back that I recorded, um, about uh, a winger song that is about Metallica. So if you've oh, not yeah. heard that episode, you should go back and check that out. So between that episode and this episode, I mean, I definitely, I definitely need to be evaluated, <laughs> or at the same, or at the very least, reflect on my life choices. I was wondering what song you're going to play at the end of this episode. Well, I typically do not do. Um, a, a song at the end of a mini episode, but yeah. just because I want everybody to feel my pain, I'm going to play for you in its entirety from start to finish. Yeah, we did it. Here it is, baby. Swiss Beast Ja Rule. Swiss the monster, I should say. Talking about a little rock and roll, baby, mixed with a little hip hop soul. I'm talking Metallica, doing what they do best, 2003 rap metal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just when you thought it was over, just when you thought we were done. Just when you thought it was over, just when you thought we were done. 
For now, the Metallicast Mini has become a full length, and you will get your cover song. It is contractually obligated for me to play a cover song at the end of each full-length Metallicast episode. It is a made-up contract that exists only in my head that only I know about, but I assure you, if it is not done, the Metallicast Monday Show will drag me into the streets and kill me like a bunch of goddamn animals. But before we get there, December is the one-year anniversary of Metallicast. December 26th, to be precise, the day after Christmas, and there will be a one-year anniversary show coming later this month. I have had a vision for it the last few months. I am hoping that everybody's schedules work out so my vision can come true. Either way, we will celebrate later this month with a one-year anniversary show, so that will be coming. So you get two episodes this month. This is why this was a special bonus Surprise, full length, just for you. You are welcome. You can thank me all on social media, at MetallicastPod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can email me, Metallicast at fansonexperts.com, or better yet, call the Metallicast hotline, 203-548-0609. If you want to be a part of the one-year anniversary show, those are the best ways to get a hold of me as well. Also, please make sure you follow Richard on Twitter at R-I-C-H-A-O-D and check out his awesome mashup that he mentioned at the start of St. Anger and Britney Spears. It is amazing. I'm hoping it goes viral for him and for me. So help us out, Metallicast Militia. Anyways, it is time for the cover song. And I'm going to keep this short and sweet. And I'm going to warn you, this is not a good cover. But I want it to stay with the theme of this episode. So this is taken from the, dare I say, horrendous MTV special, MTV icon Metallica. This is Snoop Dogg covering Sad But True. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, metal up your ass. Yeah, yeah. Fans not experts.